It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you'll be swept off to. That's what Gandalf the Grey told Frodo Baggins at the beginning of their adventure. Have you ever felt like life is like that road? Like you've been swept away, you don't know where you're going, you don't know where to put your feet to hold on? Well, that's what we're here for today. We're here to talk about the Wildwood, where all the crazy things happen, where all the wild stuff happens, and you just don't know which direction to go. Today, I'm going to bring you some words from the Wildwood that'll help you keep your feet. Welcome back, everybody, to our podcast. Another exciting chance to jump into God's Word and see what's going on. We have now come to the end of our journey through the book of Colossians. This, of course, one of Paul's prison letters written while he was incarcerated for the first time. Paul is writing to a church that he has never seen. This church was founded by a Epaphroditus who heard the preaching of Paul, who returned to his hometown and spread the gospel. This should be a lesson to all of us. It does not take a professional like a Paul or a pastor or an evangelist for the word of God to go free. It takes only a soul changed by that encounter with Almighty God. So we've come to the end of our journey. Now Paul has dealt with some of the lies that cropped up in Colossae. Maybe lies about himself, lies about who Jesus is, his power, his authority. Many were attacking the story of Christianity because they wanted to defeat it. Remember, this is not a predominantly Jewish community. This is a Gentile city. So they, of course, have many, many gods and many, many competing philosophies. And so Paul has set that down. He has established that. Now he wants to bring it all to a close. He's going to say these last few words. He, of course, wants to greet those people who have made his life amazing, those people who are working in the community. He wants to commend them, lift them up. This was Paul's custom. This is what Paul did. He built people up. What he wants to talk about right now is faith in action. Now, last week we talked about how the family can come together when everybody kind of performs their role. We talked about the word submission being a, a military word and the word obey being a flat, you need to do what you're told word. And so by uh, all of these things coming together, by them working together, the family and the church could be a functioning unit. It could get things accomplished without everybody fighting for attention, fighting for authority. We've all been in churches where there was just so much infighting that the work of God never even got done. So what's Paul going to end up with? He's going to give people a plan for living. He's going to say, okay, guys, we have talked about all of this. Now let me give you five actions that take place in the life of every believer that are important to having a productive and healthy life. We are in Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. The very first action Paul wants to talk about is that in all ways we need to proceed in prayer. Proceed in prayer. We know that prayer is the vital link in our lives between ourselves and Almighty God. We know that the Holy Spirit indwells us 
one, to help communicate the word of God to us, but also to be that conduit as we pray to the Father. Even when we don't know how to say it, when we, when we lose the words, we get all jumbled up. The Holy Spirit can communicate what is truly happening in the life and the spirit of a believer. So he says, proceed in prayer, Colossians 4.1. Masters, supply your slaves with what is right and fair, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. This, of course, is a finish up to what we talked about last week, the, the treatment of servants, bond servants, and slaves. Of course, those things no longer exist in our modern time, and I am very personally happy for that. Coming from Irish descent, there were many Irish who came to this country as indentured servants. They gave up their freedom. They sold it for a ticket across the Atlantic to escape what was happening in their home country. They were terrible days for all of humanity, and I am so glad that we have come past those dark times. But he makes one last statement. Says, Masters, give your slaves what is right and fair. Treat them appropriately, since you know that you have a master in heaven, and your master is merciful to you, therefore you be merciful to them. Verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the message, to speak the mystery of the Messiah, for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak. See, Paul believed he had to speak these things. He felt like the truth was too important to hold. He had to get it out there. So basically, he said, pray that one, you will devote yourselves, two, that you'll stay late, alert, and three, that God will give you a door. Now, what's he talking about? The very definition... Of, of the word luck, and as we use it in the English language, that, that definition is this, the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Let me say that again. Luck may be defined as the intersection of preparation and opportunity. I know what you're asking yourself, what does that have to do with the passage that we just read? Let me put it to you this way. Take the word devote, and in its place, Put the word prepare. Prepare yourselves in prayer, staying alert with thanksgiving. Now, to stay alert describes a mental attitude, one of awareness and two of expectation. If you are a child of God, you should expect that God is going to have things for you to do. He is going to have people for you to talk to. He's going to have things that only you, as a believer, who has been transformed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, only you can say and do these things. And he's going to put them in your life so that you can be useful in the work of the kingdom. So remember, luck was the intersection of preparation and opportunity. So we said, substitute the word devote. For the word preparation. He goes on at the same time, pray also for us that God may what? Open a door. So take that word and put the word opportunity there, that God may give you an opportunity to use your preparation to make the gospel known to all people. That should be your goal every week, people. Your goal every week should be to look for that opportunity to speak Jesus into the life of other people. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a big opportunity. Sometimes it's just a word in passing or, or a simple, may God bless you, may God keep you. And just something to lift and bolster the spirits of all, the, all those who are around you. 
At work, I get a chance to talk to many people who are believers, and I can be a little more forthright. And there are other people who are not believers, but as an old guy with gray hair, I can still say, God bless you and have a good day. And people don't generally get offended by that. It's a good thing. Proceed in prayer. Don't depend on luck as the world defines it. Go with luck as God says it. Preparation, meeting, opportunity. The second thing I want you to see, the second action, is this. You need to prosper in word and deed. Okay, you proceed in prayer, but then you prosper in word or deed. Colossians 4.5 Act wisely toward outsiders. Make the most of your time. Your speech should always be gracious Season with salt so that you may know how you should speak to each person. Believe me, if we all knew how to speak to each other, the world would be a lot nicer, a lot calmer, a lot less violent place. I think we have forgotten as, 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 a, as a nation, as, as, as a human race, we have forgotten how to be congenial and cordial to each other. Now, when he says this, it's important. Act wisely. Act wisely. Consider Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, how you conduct your life, not as an unwise person, but as a wise person, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ah, so what is the will of the Lord? Consider back there in Colossians 4, 6, your speech should be seasoned with salt. Now, what does that mean? We talk about you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Salt is both a preservative and it's also a seasoning to give flavor. You should bring flavor into the life of other people. You should bring a Jesus flavor into the life of other people. You can bring a spirit of graciousness, kindness, mercy, sympathy, something that people just don't see anymore. And they go, why are you so different? And you say, I have encountered someone who has taught me a better way of life. Can I share it with you? And that's what really it's all about. We are seasoned with salt. We have the salt of the gospel, the salt of the message of salvation. And it is so critical for us to be like that. Consider Acts 1, 7 and 8. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. This is all the people who spend day after week after month after year trying to figure out who all the characters in Revelation are. We already went through all of Revelation and we're not going to go through that again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To everybody out there who does not live in the United States, thank you for listening. For all of you who live in other countries, especially some countries that kind of surprised me a little bit, you have a wonderful, amazing opportunity to be light in the darkness and salt in the, in, the, in the taste of all those people who are around you. Because you, you, you don't have to worry about when Jesus is going to come back. He's going to do that. But we must busy ourselves and know how to respond to each person. Know how to respond to those things. If you're kind and generous, congenial, non-judgmental, but speaking the truth in love, 
People will be able to come to you and say, can you tell me more about this faith of yours? Can you tell me more about this Jesus that you serve? Okay, so we've said two things already. You need to proceed in prayer. All the time be praying that God will open the door, that God will prepare your heart. And by the way, preparation is an active word. You have to be preparing yourself every day, learning scripture, observing the world, thinking about how to answer these very important questions. Then we have to go on again, and we must prosper in word or deed. Do good things. Do kind things. Be generous to other people. And then when you have a chance, you can speak the word of God. The third thing which is, is this. You need to propagate encouragement. We live in a very discouraging world. Can I get an amen from somebody? This world is discouraging. People are downcast. They are sad. They are bitter. They are angry. They are frustrated. There's no encouragement out there. There's just weeping and moaning and crying about how bad everything is. But no one's asking, how can we actually make a fundamental change in our lives so that we can see a better world? Well, let's see what he says right here. Colossians 4, 7. Tychius, our dearly loved brother, faithful servant, and fellow slave in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. So Tychius is probably um, the, his main go-to person. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. Okay, underline it, people. When somebody's got a purpose, here it is. So that you may know how we are first, and so that he may encourage your hearts. Now consider this. Tychius is a unique individual. He's mentioned four times in the New Testament. Usually if someone's name gets mentioned once, it's pretty amazing. If they get mentioned twice, wow, that's really great. But Tychius is mentioned four times. Now he is most likely, according to this, the man who brought this letter to Colossae. But we also know from Paul, he sent another letter, a letter to the Laodicean church. And we're going to read a little bit about that in a minute. So he's carrying more than one letter. He has an important task. But church, you have a task. You carry a letter. It's called a Bible. You carry a letter from God Almighty to the human race, and you carry that message. In a minute, we're going to see how these letters were meant to be used, and it should inform us as to how we use our Bibles and how we use our Bible knowledge. But see, Tychius, he was sent there. Now imagine if we could all see ourselves as little Tychiuses. Uh, it, it was really early in the life of the church that people began to be called Christians. I think it was Antioch where they first called them Christians, but it was an insult. It meant, it meant little little Christ. You were trying to be a little Jesus. So they were insulting you by saying that you were trying to be like a little Jesus. But there's no insult in being like our master. There's no insult in serving the one who came and died to save us. That's not an insult. That's a blessing. So to be a little tickiest would also be a blessing because it meant that God could trust you to carry the message to his people. Now, verse 9 keeps going where it left off. It said this, He is with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you. He is from that city. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Yeshua, who is called Justice, 
These alone of the circumcision are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Wow, what a blessing to be said of you that you were a comfort to Paul in all that he was doing. Let's start with the very first one. Onesimus, of course, we know from the book of Philemon. Onesimus was a runaway slave. He had heard the gospel. He wanted freedom. His master, Philemon, was also a Christian, but of course, was a was a Christian in his day. He didn't yet go beyond the, constri- the confines of, of the culture. And uh, we're going to see later that it actually is Paul who, uh, receiving Onesimus to himself, says, you know what? You have to go back. You have to go back and resubmit to your master, Philemon. But let me send this letter with you. And the letter is going to ask him to release you. Why? Because you are a useful, faithful servant of God, and I need you here. So let me send this letter to Philemon. I'm going to ask him, hey, for the love of me, would you let this man go so he can serve God in a more powerful uh, way? Now, of course, he mentions Mark, Barnabas's cousin. Uh, Many people remember that in the book of Acts, after the first missionary journey, there's a fight between uh, Paul and Barnabas over the person of Mark. Uh, Mark apparently uh, flipped out in the middle of the missionary journey and left. He quit. Maybe it was too hard. Maybe he encountered some uh, unknown trials. But anyways, John Mark goes home. Now, when Paul and Barnabas return from the first missionary journey, they're going to go out again. But this time, Paul says, no way, Jose, this guy is not going to go with us again and flip out on us and leave. Barnabas, standing up for his cousin, says, no, he is called of God. He can go with us. What we didn't see happening at the moment that they couldn't understand, God was dividing his missionary force. He took Paul with Silas off to one side. He took Barnabas and Mark off to the other side, and he doubled his missionary force after that split up. Sometimes when we see something happening in the world, you need to look a little closer than just the surface to understand what's happening. By this, uh, Paul has written a letter saying, hey, if, if this guy Mark comes, I have full confidence in him. You receive him like a brother, bless him, and he's good. So we know that somewhere between that first missionary split up and this letter, they have been reconciled together. And that's a great encouragement for all of us. Sometimes um, we get off the track. Sometimes we get a little lost. Sometimes we make a mistake. No, more often than sometimes for me. But um, you, you get off the track. And when you do, remember, you can always be restored. God can always put you back and restore you no matter how you have fallen. Mark literally left the field. He left Barnabas and Paul in the lurch and he took off. But God brought him back, brought him back stronger, so much so that John Mark writes the second of the Gospels in, in, the, in the Scripture, in the New Testament. He writes that based on what he heard from Paul, what he heard uh, from the other missionaries. And so it's, it's amazing what God can do with someone who has been restored. So that's, that's a great thing there. He's mentioning these people who have been a comfort to him, a strength in him. Who's been a comfort for you? Who has been an encouragement to you? I give you a mission. If someone has been an encouragement to you, someone in your church, someone in the workplace, someone in your family, tell them this week, thank you. Thank you for sticking by me. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for um, 
for being my encouragement. You know, thank you for being there for me. So I think that really helps people. At the same time, if someone comes to you and says that you've been an encouragement, just say praise God and receive it and go on with life. Because that's really how we stay in the fight. We, we gain encouragement and we give it. The next thing I want you to see, the next action, is that we need to practice good words and good works. Colossians 4.12. Epaphras, who was one of you, probably the, 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 the starter of the church, the one who heard the gospel, brought it, brought them all going. A slave of Christ Jesus greets you. He is always contending for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you. For those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. You remember that Laodicea, Hierapolis, and, and Colossae are all bound together because it is in Laodicea that there is no true water source. So all the hot water comes from Hierapolis, all the cold refreshing comes from Colossae, and we, we see this whole thing played out in the, uh, in the book of Revelation. So it's just interesting that all these cities are right here together. And it says that for those in Hierapolis, Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas greet you. Interestingly, right here, this is the only time in the New Testament where you are actually told that Luke is a physician. We know he is, he is a physician, but this is where you get it from. This is the only clear statement about who he is and what he does for a living. By the way, it's unfortunate that later we read that Demas has left the service of the Lord to pursue earthly wealth. Paul laments the, the loss of Demas because here he, he, he is mentioned as someone who is in the fight, someone who's in there doing the work. And you know what? If someone is active and going and, and fighting, don't let them go alone. Pray for them. Build them up because it is possible that all of us can pull a Demas. All of us can pull that, that time where we just... We, we, we lose track of what we're doing and we, we, we give in to the temptation of the world. I don't know what happened to Demas in the end. I'd like to think he was fully restored, but we don't know. Verse 15 says this, Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. Interestingly, here is a woman mentioned as one who supports and gives a home to the meeting place of the church. So everybody can be involved in the, in the work of the gospel simply by giving what they have, by sharing what they have. We've had other men mentioned who uh, would volunteer their homes as, as a church base, but Nympha is one of those who comes along as a woman and she says, you know, you sure, use my home. Meet here. Even though it was dangerous, it was, it was dangerous, she did it anyways. And verse 16 says this, when this letter, sorry, has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Now the church at Laodicea was well known. The letter to Laodicea was never found. To, to my knowledge, we have never located the letter to the church at Laodicea. But I think it's interesting because after you guys read this letter from me, everything about it is so important, you go share it with the next door neighbor church. And you know what? Whatever they have, let them share that with you because it's all God's word. 
You know, there's a lot of people who get hung up on this book or that book or, or, or some other types of things. But the, the sharing of God's word, that, that passing that word out is so critical. And I think we see it right here in the spirit of, hey, you, you're getting a letter from me with important doctrine. Pass it on. Don't keep it to yourself. Send it on. In the same way, when you had learned something from the Lord, when God teaches you something, when the word of God opens your eyes on something, share it with people. Share it with other believers. Share it with people that you know who know that you're a Christian. It's, it's, it's the least you can do, and it's exciting, and it's, it's fun. Let's finish it up, because he says that he will contend for you. He says that, yes, Epaphras contends for you. Interestingly, this word is a, is a war word. It basically means to work fervently or to engage in conflict, to engage in war. And there is a spiritual warfare out there. Uh, Wednesday nights, we're going to be uh, changing gears and we're going to be looking at spiritual warfare for the next few weeks. And so hopefully you can tune in to that one. This is an old sermon series from back in the day, but I hope the, it will still ring true for you today and give you a little bit of insight into spiritual warfare. But this is it. He contends for you. He doesn't just pray, oh Lord, bless Mary and Bob and Jean. It's like, Lord, you'll be around them and protect them and open this door and, and give them this strength. And he was really praying hard for these people. And I think that is such an important thing because if our prayers were like that, if they were war prayers, prayers of power and strength, then maybe a little more might be getting done out there in the world. I don't know. I'm not criticizing nobody. I'm just saying I see this as a challenge to me to make my prayers more powerful, more effective, more fervent, because the Word of God says the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous person avails much. And so I want to avail as much as I can in whatever time God gives me on, the, on this earth. The very last thing I want you to see, the very last action, pay attention to your ministry. Remember, every believer is a minister. Say it again. Every single believer in Jesus Christ has a ministry. You have a spiritual gift given by God to you for the building up of the church and sometimes for the reaching out and growing of the church. So you have a ministry. Have you identified it? Do you know what it is that you have what gift, what calling, what blessing. You need to get that in your system and you need to know what that is because he says this in Colossians 4.17. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. See, when God gives you a ministry, you accomplish it because you put in the time, the effort, the work, the preparation. Verse 18 says, this greeting is in my own hand, Paul, Remember my imprisonment and grace be with you all. Now this is important because Paul in his later years used an amanuensis. An amanuensis is a secretary. It's someone who would do the writing for him. Uh, Paul's comments about a thorn in the flesh. Many people believe it had to do with his eyesight. That as he began to age, he began to have trouble seeing. So that he had to have an amanuensis to write down his thoughts and his teachings. But he says, now he says, I read this, I write this in my own hand, Paul. So he, he was able to scribble out those four letters and so that they would know that it was him. He, it was his authentication mark. 
so they would know it was actually from Paul. And yet, in one other place, he mentions, see with what big letters I write my name, because that's how blind he was becoming. And as I get older and older, I totally feel him for that, for that blindness. But now consider this. He talks about Archippus. Archippus is mentioned in, one other, in another place. Philemon 1, 1 and 2. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Amphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So Archippus is involved here with both Philemon and Amphia to have a house church, to have a place where Christians could meet, study the word of God, be taught the word of God. And so he had a ministry in that house church mentioned in Philemon. And so that's why he's writing them, hey, pay attention to this ministry that you've received from the Lord. We don't know whether he was the teacher or whether he was uh, some sort of encourager. We don't know what his ministry was. All that matters is that Paul wanted him to stay faithful to the task God had given him. And I ask you, church, are you faithful to the task that God has given you? You know, the very first task we tend to have as people is when we have kids. We have a ministry to our children to teach them the word of God, to teach them the truth of God, to show them who God is. Every Jewish parent would learn the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it would be a, a short set of verses. And they were to teach it to the children faithfully so they would always know who their God was and where it all came from. Now, last week, we read in Colossians 3, verse 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, we're not, we're not supposed to serve uh, God just when he's looking at us, but we're supposed to serve God faithfully all the time. And that's what he's telling Archippus. He's saying, you know, stay faithful. Even if no one sees what you're doing, God sees what you're doing, and he is pleased with the work you're doing. And don't we all want the Lord to be pleased with what we do? I mean, this podcast is just an act of faith. It is just a way of saying, I love teaching the Word of God. I love trying to explain it. Sometimes I fall over my own tongue, but that's just the nature of getting old and a little bit forgetful. Hopefully, you can learn something from this, and then you can take it and study it and carry it on to somebody else. The day will come when I won't be here, church, but you can still be here. You can still teach the Word of God. You can still lead others to a faithful walk with Jesus Christ, and that is the greatest privilege any of us can hope for. All right, we have finished this wonderful book. We are done with it now on our Sunday exploration. We will be starting Ecclesiastes next week. It's an interesting book, sometimes a little depressing. It came at a very difficult time in Solomon's life, but we'll talk about that next week when we open up and begin our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. Till then, God bless. May he fill your life with people hungry for the word, and may he give you all you need to get that job done. God bless. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. 
Thanks for tuning in today to listening to our programs. We appreciate your attention. We present this for you as a way of building up God's people, giving you hope in these dark days. They are presented to you commercial free. We don't solicit money from any companies, Bible organizations, or churches. We put it out there because we believe wholeheartedly that the Word of God is the only hope this country or any country could have. Because we present it to you commercial free, we do ask you to search your heart. If you feel the need to support us in any way, it, it, could, be a, it could be a love offering, a gift, send me enough for a cup of coffee. I'd really appreciate it. You can send all support to Richard Stidham, S-T-I-D-H-A-M, Richard Stidham at Box 1321. Baytown, Texas, 77521, and everything you send to us will be used to keep this podcast on the air. Have a great day. God bless, and remember, keep looking up. Our salvation is drawing near.